was from, to, from God uh, to us. I thought they were going. <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> yeah, you did, didn't you? <laughs> I'll start again. Because <laughs> what I really want to speak about is verses 3 to 14. Um, because it, 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 it's, it's, it shows to us <coughs> the love of God in, 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 in salvation. Uh, and it's summed up really in the first verse of this section, verse 3, where we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. All the blessings that we know as believers flow to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, it's, and in these 12 verses, Paul covers, because it's amazing if you, if you think of it, he covers all God's plans. Everything that God planned back in eternity is covered in these, these 12 verses. Uh, all his purposes for sinners and all his purposes for his own glory, that he should be glorified. In other words, the whole history of redemption is found in, in these 12 verses. Um, and, and it's all as the same end, the same, the same finishing point, if you like, because Paul's aim is the praise of God. So we see in verse 6, it says, to the praise of his glorious grace, or in verse 12, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And then in verse 14, when it speaks of the work of God's Spirit, it's to the praise of of his glory. So all God's plans and purposes work to this to this end that he should be worshiped, that he should be praised. He is the one true glorious God. The one the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, the one eternal triune God should be glorified, should be worshiped, should be loved, adored and served. That's what Paul's about. In, well, in his, the whole letter, but it's summed up wonderfully in these 12 verses. Uh, in, in the original, as I understand it, um, it's one sentence, verses 3 to 14. And, and, and it's written unusually, it's written liturgically. That is, in other words, it's, it's in the style of a hymn. It's, it's not prose, it's, it's written in the, it, poetically in the, in the style of a hymn. Uh, a pray, if you like, a hymn of praise to the triune God. And it consists of, of three verses. So you get the work of God the Father in verses 3 to 6, then the work of God the Son in 7 to 10, and then the work of God the Holy Spirit in 11 to 14. It's, it's marvellously put together, as it were. Uh, now, when I say that, the, the, the three persons of the Godhead, their work is set out. It's not that their work is divided in any way. They all share the same aim. They're all in complete agreement uh, in the salvation of sinners and the glorifying of God. And Paul shows in, in these 12 verses each person in the Godhead, how they, how they work. But a Having said that, although we get the work of the Father, the work of the Son, and the work of the Spirit, always the Lord Jesus has a preeminence. He's always referring to the Saviour uh, wherever he speaks of, of God. Because uh, <clears throat> Christ always uh, in the Scriptures has the preeminence. These are they, said the Lord Jesus, even when he was 
referring to the Old Testament, these are they which speak of me, he said. Always Jesus has a preeminence. And there's another phrase that comes throughout the letter, it's, and I think it indicates where the, the blessings that we long for uh, and are, that are spelt out in these verses take place. I can speak like that. It's difficult to... That there is a heavenly realm. There is a, a, a place where God is at war with the devil. And in, in this, sometimes it's for, it depends on your, your particular version of scripture. It either says the heavenly places or the heavenly realm. Or the heavenly realms. It occurs five times through the letter, twice in chapter 1, then in chapter 2, then in chapter 3, and then in chapter 6. And it's obviously of great significance in chapter 6 because it tells us how to wear armour to fight the fight that's going on in this heavenly, in this heavenly realm. So we come, to be brief, we come uh, to the work of God the Father in verses 3 to 6. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. All that God has done for us in Christ is in Christ. And as I said, Christ has the preeminence. But we have never to lose sight of the fact that it was the love of God that drew up the plan. It was the love of God that asked the Lord Jesus to come and execute the plan. It was the love of God the Father that sent the Holy Spirit to, to apply the plan to apply the executed plan as it were to it to his to his people and god so god is is the instigator of all of all of the plan of redemption everything that takes place so it was it was god that chose to bless us in christ and god is absolutely free he is the sovereign lord he is he uh, so there's a wonderful illustration in the old testament um, uh, in Deuteronomy, uh, well, the illustration is the people of God being brought out of Egypt. But when Moses refers to it in Deuteronomy chapter seven, he makes clear clear there that it was God's choice to bring them out. Nothing to do with them. Um, it wasn't that they were particular. Well, we know from their wanderings through the wilderness, they were a rebellious crew. They were always disobeying God. Um, always falling out with, both with one another and, and God's purposes for them always falling out with Moses and Aaron um, but Moses said it was not because you were more numerous than any other people that the Lord set his love upon you and chose you see God chose them for you were the fewest of all peoples but it was because God loves you you can't find another reason why God loves you other than that he loves you because that's all the scripture tells you you can be sure of it though because he specifies it here and in so many places god loves us and so he chose us to make us his people so it's when god calls sinners to faith in the lord jesus it's because of his love it's because that's what he wanted to do it's because that's what pleased him that's what uh, if it gives gives him uh, real pleasure that's to to set his love upon sinners so everything and so that's why it says in verse 5 uh, um, he chose us in him in verse 4 before the foundation of the world but then it says, in love he predestined us it was the love of God that was the source 
uh, this wonderful plan of redemption. There's, a, there's an illustration in, if, in Ezekiel chapter 16. It's a beautiful account of God choosing Israel, but that's an illustration of God choosing us as well. He, said, he says this in chapter 16, When I passed by you, again, you were at the age of love. I made a vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord, and you became mine. When we become his, it's because he's chosen us to be his. It's wonderful. We, we were due to be away this weekend at the wedding of my sister's grandson and, 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 and his fiancée, but we took medical advice and we didn't go. But we, we were able to watch it. They zoomed it to the few of us that couldn't go. And so we watched it yesterday, uh, uh, <coughs> uh, the wedding at the church. And it was wonderful to see the, the love of, of, of these two youngsters. Um, uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was a wonderful service and the word of God was wonderfully preached, brilliantly preached uh, by the minister. But the, the point is this, you could see, and he referred to this, that the, the mutual love of, of the two, one for the other. Sorry, my iPad has just gone off. Doesn't help, does it? Yes. Um, but when God chose us, it wasn't mutual. See, we were sinners. This, this couple loved one another and, and were happy, to, and the minister was happy to marry them. But when God chose us, which he did back in eternity, and when Jesus died on the cross, it all says, how we were yet sinners, it says. Christ died for us. There was nothing mutual about that. There is now, we love him because he first loved us. But he first loved us, that's the point. God loved us, chose us, saved us. That was God's, God's work, if you like. Un, the unconditional uh, nature of God's choice is down purely to his loving heart, for which we have to praise his name. Pla praise, as Paul says here, praise to his glorious grace. And I'm sure if you know anything about your own heart, if you've got any realistic view of what you're like, then you'll say amen to that, that God set his love upon you. Then uh, to the work of God the Son, verses 7 to 10. I won't read them all because I've read them, uh, read them before. Just read this. It says, In him, that's Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. And he says this, which is wonderful, which he lavished upon us. There's no niggardly giving when it comes to God. He lavishes his, his, his grace upon us. Uh, it says, <coughs> we have redemption. Now, this, 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 you could say this is a technical word in a way. But, um, it, it has its greatest illustration of redemption in as I said earlier, in the, in the delivery of the, the children of uh, Israel out of Egypt. But this word has to do with um, release, if you like, from slavery at a price. That's what it was there. Terrible price was paid. Uh, all the firstborn of Egypt died uh, for, and the people uh, were saved. In New Testament times, it would be a, a really... Um, topical way of speaking for Paul um, redemption because it was quite so socially acceptable 
uh, one, to own a slave, but two, to redeem a slave. It was part of Roman culture. So the, the, the original receivers of this letter would perfectly understand what Paul was, was talking about. Uh, they, they could pay a price and the slave could be a free man. Um, the word itself is derived from the word ransom, which you see is, is also connected. Uh, um, Paul, uh, one of our hymns says, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, who like thee his praise should sing. We're ransomed people. Uh, this occurs ten times throughout the New Testament, this word ransom, and seven of them in Paul's, Paul's letters. He likes to speak of it. And it's connected to the word buy, so you can see that what, what I'm saying is how God has purchased us. He had to pay a price for us. It was a terrible price, but he was willing to do it because of his love. He was willing to send his son. Um, clearly, again, it emphasizes God's uh, sovereignty because a person couldn't redeem themselves. He, the, a thing can't redeem itself. It can't um, pay the price itself. It's... It, it's the sovereign work of God, we couldn't redeem ourselves. Uh, and this price, Peter says, I thought this is one of the best quotes really, you were ransomed, because he uses that word, you were ransomed not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without blemish and without spot. It couldn't be clearer. The price of our redemption uh, the price that God had to pay to redeem us and to ransom us uh, was the death of his own son. A, ter a, a tremendous price. It, it's, that's what we remember when we come around the table, the price of our redemption. Uh, that's what God was willing to pay. Without the shedding of blood, we read so many times, particularly in Leviticus in the Old, in the Old Testament, there is no forgiveness of sins. There is no remission. Sin can't be wiped out unless blood is shed. That's the price uh, of our redemption. But then you might ask yourself, why do I need redeeming? Why should a ransom be paid for me? You hear so many times, you hear, well, I've led a good life. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, I haven't done anybody any harm that I know of. I could say, people often say this, don't they? So why, why would a ransom be paid for me? Well, so many places, but one of the places to turn would be Romans. And it says in chapter 7, for instance, I am sold under sin. Paul says, I am sold under sin. Hence the need for a ransom. Hence the need for redemption. Because I'm sold under sin. We've all fallen short of God's glory. And if you like, his original purpose for our lives. When he created Adam and Eve, they were perfect in the sense that they, they, they had never disobeyed God. They had the ability to do so, as we sadly see. But they, that's how God intended things to be, as, as he made it, as it were. Um, but we have all fallen short of that. They broke the contract. And we have carried on doing exactly the same thing. So we're all sinners. We've all fallen, fallen short of God's glory. And that has a price. Because it says the wages of sin is death. So that's, that's uh, why the Saviour comes. And through his death, through his death on the cross, through his 
Um, crucifixion, his shedding, the shedding of his blood, the contract is rectif rectified, is, is, is made good again. The shedding of blood that we've remembered around the Lord's table uh, results in the forgiveness of our sins. Our sins are actually dealt with. They're not swept under the carpet, they're actually dealt with. You're free. If you, if, if, if you took the Lord's Supper uh, genuinely, knowing, knowing your sins forgiven, you're free. You're at liberty now to serve God. This is, this is the price Jesus was willing to pay. Your sins, our sins, for his perfect life. I must press on. Um, we say this, say this because still this, um, this theme that runs through these 14 verses of, of God working, just as, as I said, the Father chooses us because he loves us, and I don't know why that is. Also, the Father chose Christ uh, to, to pay this price. That was what the agreement was. It's as if the, in the Godhead there's this conversation um, the, the father says to the son, well, will you, I've got these people that I love, but I can't love them because they're sinners. Will you go and save them for me? Jesus says yes. <laughs> he says yes, and you think, why? Why does he do that? If you, as I said before, if you know anything about yourself, you say, why, why did he do that? But he did it, and this is what, uh, what we have in in these verses in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins and then he says it's according to the riches of god's grace which he lavished upon he poured upon us in all wisdom and understanding it took a tremendous amount of wisdom and understanding and planning in back in eternity to do all this that it all would all take place uh that 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 the work of God through the Old Testament and then through the New Testament and now in the uh, Pentecostal age as it were now um, all that was planned and it took as Paul says wisdom and understanding and you almost feel I read one man who was saying you feel that Paul's searching for words how do you describe what God has done uh, there aren't the words to do it and so he relies on this the riches of God's grace Six times through this, this letter, he refers to God's riches. And they're always riches in connection with his mercy, his grace, and his glory. And they go on, as it were, to describe the inheritance that we have through Christ, which we come unto. Because, well, because Christ is rich, and we are very poor. And it's only through the riches of Christ uh, that we endure the love of God. In, in, in later in the letter, just thinking of this, in, in, um, in, in chapter 3, uh, there, there's this prayer, uh, verse 14 onwards, which is, which is uh, a wonderful prayer. But what came into my mind is he, he, he talks about the surpassing love of God or love of Christ, the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Um, and he also says, by implication, that we can't comprehend it. So we need to pray for God's spirit, which we come to now, uh, that, that, that he would enable us uh, to comprehend the love of Christ, 
We, we can't do this on our own. We need God's spirit. Uh, and so uh, the wonder of God's love and the wonder of Christ um, uh, enabling the love of God to have its um, fulfilment, if you like, in the salvation of sinners, we have to move on to the work of the Holy Spirit. We read in verse, I think it's 11, whatever, towards the end. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him. And then it says, and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. When... Paul addresses these people. This is, this is again, is amazing. It brings all sorts of questions into your mind. When Paul addresses these, these folk, um, he, he talks to them as being chosen and predestined and adopted into the family of God. So the question, well, the way my mind works, the question comes to him, how does he know that? How does he know that they're real Christians? Because he says quite specifically, um, um, in him also when you heard the word of truth of your oh, so that's how he knows that but he, he calls them oh yeah, we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will how does he know that's true of these people um, the evidence is in the fact that when the gospel was preached, they believed it. And what they believed caused them to call upon the Lord. Because it, it, Paul says in his letter to Rome, uh, everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. So the message that, that God loved the world, that Christ paid the penalty for our sins, has to be believed. It, it, it's no good just hearing it. And it's no just no, it's just as good even just believing it they have to call on the Lord as Paul said in Romans so the question has to be I'm full of questions the question has to be I'm, I know you've heard many of you I know you've heard this many times the thing is did you believe it I mean really believe it is that, is that your heart's belief and so when you believed it did you call because if you didn't call then you're not saved if you didn't believe it, you're not saved. Have you heard? Have you believed? Have you called on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ? It's only through our Saviour. As I said, he permeates these 12 verses. Verse 3 says, God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Verse 4, God chose us in him. Verse 6, he has made us acceptable in the beloved. In verse 7, in him we have redemption. Same in verse 11. And then... In verse 13, which is the work of the Spirit in him, also when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in him and then and were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. When I, the way my funny mind works, uh, so it's everything's in Christ. Everything's in Christ. And it's in him we have redemption. How did we get there? Which, uh, it says in another place, uh, uh, in Romans, I think it is, Romans, um, beginning of chapter 8. I haven't written this down, so I can't remember the exact words. But 
uh, it's those who are in Christ who are blessed. How do we become to be in Christ? We've got to be um, realistic. But this is made clear in verses 13 and 14. Uh, The fact that we understand, that we believe when the word is preached um, is, is the Spirit's work. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So is that your experience? Paul says later on in the letter, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that's not yourself, it's uh, of yourself, it's a gift of God, it's not your doing. The Father planned, the Son executed the plan, and now we have here the work of the Holy Spirit, seeing it to the hearts of those who believe it. God's Spirit applies the plan that Christ executed. This is all due to the love of God, all due to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, all due to the work of the Holy Spirit. This is well another one of our songs which I, could, I nearly chose. Uh, the, the Lord is our salvation. In every possible aspect of it, we can say it, it is God's work. In every way, through the love of God the Father, through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. God planned, Jesus executed the plan, and the Spirit applies it to our hearts. So I, there's a, recently, um, when I, I was listening to a sermon from, from, from the church where the wedding was, it wasn't actually at the wedding, um, and they, they sang a song I didn't know. I don't know whether it's a modern song or an old song. I, I'd never heard it before. Uh, the song was, starts off with, a, it's not in our book, I'm afraid, or oh, I couldn't find it. My faith has found a resting place. I don't anybody know it? Silence. Nobody know it? And it has a, it has a chorus. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Oh, some, some, some people knew it. Oh, good. But this is the point, you see, and that he died for me. So is that what you know? Do you know that Jesus died for you? Because that's, that's what all these 12 verses are about. That God loved, God planned, Jesus died, the plan was working, the Spirit applied it. Has he applied it to you? I pray that he has. And so, as we sing our last song, we can give thanks uh, for this wonderful work uh, that, that Paul outlines in just... I, there's so much can be said. Um, it's a one, one of my favourite books is Ephesians. It's one, one of my favourite passages is this. It's wonderful to go and to mull over the lengths to which God was willing to go to save us. So I thought we will stand and sing... To God be the glory.